Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about whether now is a good time to buy a house. And that means we'll be talking about inflation and mortgage rates and purchase applications and inventory. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. Sarah, thank you for finally letting me show the mortgage rate lockdown debate for the public. And now everyone can see, you know, how a true debate works with two people with different views and how one has historical data and the other has a speculative theory that the data doesn't verify. You know, that is not true. I actually used data as well. I encourage all of you out there to go and watch that. And then let's have another vote. Did Logan I, I really double, I double encourage everyone. By the way, I did notice, though, that when we were doing the count, that wasn't part of the video. You know, at the end, it just stops when you stop it. There is no, you know, talking about, you know, voting and all that stuff. So. Listen, so what we're talking about is at um, at Housing Wire Annual in October, uh, Logan and I did this podcast live. We talked about the mortgage rate lockdown. It was a debate, and um, we asked the room then to vote, and the room, the voting was definitely in Logan's favor. Let's just say that. But I still think that I made some great points, so I'm not, I, I love that performance. People can go and look at that, and, you know, I think I had some great points, so... Uh, don't take a victory lap so easily. It's not a victory lap, Sarah. It's just, there's just two different views. One is correct. One isn't. It's okay though. It's okay. <laughs> one is correct. I always say okay, the, brave well, are always, the brave are always the first to die. You did challenge me. Like there's so many people that would not even do that. So I, I give you so much kudos for that. Oh my gosh. That is so condescending. I can't even believe it. All right. Well, we will let the viewers and the listeners judge for themselves. But today we have a lot to talk about. Um, where do you want to start? Well, first, you know, something that I posted on the internet last week, some fake random guy said, should I buy a house? And my response, I did a video response. And you, everyone has to realize why I say this all the time. Um, Going back very early in my economic work, I, I wrote something talking about, you know, housing is a cost of shelter to your own capacity to own the debt. It's not an investment. It's basically a shelter cost. So uh, uh, people buy it as a shelter in the payment. A um, lot of trolling men run around the internet with fake accounts. Guys, can you at least do a better job of creating fake accounts? I mean, if the Russian trolls are doing this in a very effective way, you guys can do a better job of this. But uh a lot of times people just say this, should we buy a house? And then they go, all, all housing people are shills and, you know, da, da, da. but in this case, I always say the same answer. If you're asking me if you should buy a house, I don't know you, don't know your name, don't know. And by the way, only men do this. Women, on the other hand, like I've always said, women are smarter than men. Women will go, hi, my name is so-and-so. I'm pre-qualified. I have kids. They do all these things that you would have a normal discussion. It's only men that do it this way. So I say, no, you shouldn't buy a house right? Because you're asking me, I don't know anything about you. You're asking me and the old high school basketball coach of me thinks that you're not ready. It's like, coach, should I go back in the game? Get, no, get your, you're not ready to go back in. So it's a payment. If you don't know that based on your own finances and you're asking someone, no, you should not buy a home. You're not ready, not only financially, but emotionally, you're not ready to own a house. Millions of people buy homes every single year. 
every year, doesn't matter if it's 2008, COVID or anything, people buy homes because they're ready. So let me give you a good example of a friend of mine who did ask. Um, in 2020, of course, COVID was crazy, right? Um, and she had asked me, you know, what we're, we're, we're married, we're going to have a kid soon. And, you know, should we buy a house? It just seems there's so much craziness. And some people would say, well, you're biased because you wrote a COVID-19 recovery model. You thought everything will be fine. Okay. Even if that wasn't the case, I would say, listen, you're buying a payment. I mean, do, do the math. This is your rent. This is your home. If you're going to have kids, you know, raise a family, that's your payment. Your payment's going to stay fixed on the debt side of it. Your wages rise. There it goes. Keep it simple. Person ended up buying a house, right? End of story, right? The golden ticket. But it's a cost of shelter. So what we've seen in the data, when rates go up, demand falls. When rates go down, demand picks up. It's the equilibrium of affordability. So if somebody asks me and they give no personal whatever, I'm just going, no, you're not. You should not, not buy a house today. You should not buy a house tomorrow. You should never buy a house because you are your own adult. You know your finances better. There's no more exotic loan debt structures anymore or anything. It's a very simple payment process based on your own financials. Do not let a bank or anybody else tell you what to do. You have to make this decision on yourself like a grown-up, right? You're not living in college anymore. You're not living with your parents. You and your family have to make that decision. Don't ask anyone, right? And if you're like worried about home prices crashing, no, you should not buy a home. Think about your life if you bought a house and then you saw home prices fall, the misery you would have as an adult, right? It's better to rent, right? And if you need somebody to plunge your toilet, you could call the landlord. They could do it for you. So you have less stress. But most people are adults, functioning people. They buy homes every year because they're ready. So don't get into this conversation with people. Uh, do your own due diligence. Buy the house when you're ready and take it from that. You have other things to worry about in your life than, than this decision, uh, which should be a one and done and should be very simple. Well, let's talk about, so you talked about affordability there, and obviously the rate situation is one which may, makes many people question, like, is this the right time to buy a house because of rates? And, you know, the Fed, um, to your own, you know, your comments have been that didn't do a great job landing that plane, really made it more complicated than it had to be. And it seems like we we were in a good spot. Okay, we've got, um, we've got them saying they're going to cut rates in 2024. And then we've had all these great reports. And now we've had some Fed presidents saying, actually, maybe we won't do rate cuts. So, so bring us up to speed on that, because that's very important. Here's the interesting thing. I don't believe the Fed has pivoted. I believe the Federal Reserve has a COVID-19 housing policy. And the reason I say this is that when mortgage rates were getting towards 6% last year, they came out and said, you guys are making our life difficult. You stop buying hopes and having sex. How are we supposed to defeat the 1970s inflation? Really? We're still, we're still doing this. See, the, guys, everyone who's a Gen Xer, it's our time, like in Goonies. It's our times to get rid of the baby boomers. And the sad part is that's Neil Kashkari. He's not even a baby boomer. It's our time to take the baby boomers and their old economic models out and just take it, you know, for the millennials and Gen Z and let's get rid of this whole 1970s things. But in any case, they are still very restrictive. They are talking about maybe we'll slow down the quantitative tightening. Okay. But this is not like mortgage rates are at 5%, the high end of the previous, the growth rate of inflation has fallen and they're not 
In fact, the only thing that they talked about housing was last year. They said, okay, we're making their lives difficult. And then when purchase application data was falling, they said, housing's recovering. I'm like, don't go chasing waterfalls. That was the number one song back then where purchase application was in 1995. So I'm not sure if these are the people that should be talking about housing, if, if they can like miss some of the simple things. So in this case, Waller came out yesterday. Some people saw it to be very hawkish that, you know, we don't need to cut rates as fast as we need to in the past. Well, in the past, we're in a recession, right? We want to get ahead of the curve. We don't want to go into a recession and they go, okay, now we'll cut rates, right? They are too restrictive based on their own models today. And they're going to fight this struggling, you know, all the way. And again, car sales are up. New home sales are up. Um, we're looking at retail sales beat estimates again. Employment's fine. There's only one sector of the economy that's at great financial recession levels, and it's calendar year three years. So if if I get my schedule in CNBC uh, interview today when this podcast comes out, I am going to bash them and just say, you don't need to be afraid to be alive, right? It's okay. You know, don't you don't need to say anything about housing. Oh, it's a problem or anything. Just let it go. Land the plane. Everything's good. Um we saw when rates fell from 8% down to 6.5%, it's near 7% again. Uh, purchase application data so far this year, if I take the holidays out of the equation, has a seven-week positive trend, right? If you get something material when you get 12 to 14 weeks, but let's be consistent here. We're working from the lowest levels ever recorded in history. We have a lot more people working now than ever. Our demographics are good. These are very depressed sale levels that we're bouncing off. So there's a difference between a, a, a low level bounce to what could be sustained to where we think can home sales trend between 4.72 to 5.31 for 12 months. Not going to be the case this year. Uh, but again, rates are too high. Home prices escalated out of control, right? So the affordability is an issue and the affordability makes the decision for a lot of people. Because you can no longer just randomly fill out an application and buy a house, right? You have to, everyone has to qualify. That's what qualified mortgage was for. So it prevents any kind of speculative debt play uh, for primary resident homeowners. Okay, so with all those good reports, um, you know, every day you update our mortgage rate center on housingwire.com. Um, with a, you know, I put in a quote about where you think rates are going to go that day. You wait until some of the reports come out. It, it goes live about 9.30 central time every day because you look at what happened overnight. What do you think? So we had all these, you know, really positive reports. Are we, does that impact after everything, you know, is this just talk from Waller or is this going to impact rate cuts in March? So maybe March is now a toss up, but Waller said we're cutting rates. So he's the hawk. Right. So if the hawks are telling you they're going to cut rates, they're going to cut rates. Now, the levels of rate cuts depends on, to me, the economic data. So, again, they can cut 75 basis points in the meeting at the end of January, and they're still restrictive. This, this is my mindset. So I'm, I'm much different than other people. Other people, they pivoted. Oh, really? They overhiked and they're on, maybe we'll cut this out. They're, they're, they have not pivoted at all. Um, they are still in very restrictive policy. What what did happen to them last year is that the 10-year yield went up to 5%, and they were like, oh, boy. Whoa, whoa, we didn't want that. Why? Because they went hawkish at a very bad time on the 10-year yield. Everyone was short the bond market. They know they're quantitative tightening. There are things that the Fed can do to change the game. They choose not to do this. And don't let them play dumb or coy. They know what they're doing, 
right? They're choosing not to do this. So this is a policy choice. And this is why I said we still have COVID-19 housing economic policy here because we're afraid. Oh my God. Sarah, people having sex buying homes. Oh my God, no, it's going to make our life difficult. Don't you remember the 1970s, right? Come on. So um, different, different view that I have, but again, economic data will move the 10-year yield. Economic data was good. We're, uh, we're, we're, I think we're 4.09% right now. So we're, we're near the peak of where I think the 10-year yield should be if economic data stays firm, four and a quarter, seven and a quarter on rates. However, the one positive this year is that the spreads are getting better. And just to give you a good example, I did this on Twitter. If I get my four and a quarter on the 10-year yield, I'm not going to get seven and a quarter on my mortgage rate this year because the spreads are lower. So that's why keeping an eye on the spreads. And if the spreads get lower by themselves, that alleviates some of the concern. But as of now, rates fell. This is a carbon copy of 2022 to 2023. Purchase application data is rising, right? Last year, when Kashkari came and said, oh my God, you know, rates shot up right back up 1%. Here, the builder's confidence index is rising exactly like what we saw last year. So I, again, for anybody that has their own recession models, remember, the builder's confidence went positive last year and you kept your recession theory. The builder's confidence is going positive again. So if you're using the builder's confidence as your recession model, remember, you have to look at residential construction employment and the builders are still working off their backlog. So you're going to have to reverse yourself on remodeling your housing leads to recession uh, based on residential construction workers. So in this case, we have same thing as last year, but again, rates are just simply too high to get any meaningful. We can bounce sales from here, but uh, the interesting aspect now going out for the rest of this year is that we went from 5.99 to seven and a quarter. We're, we went from 8% down to six and a half. We're kind of here. Where do we go in the future? So the, the first bounce in purchase application data is very easy to see. Very low level uh, rates went down. We go out later in the year, what happens? Because if 10-year yield starts to fall, the spreads get better, we could have a different outcome than we had last year uh, because rates went from six to 8%. We're hover around. Not much was happening here. We could possibly get a little bit more growth in sales as rates fall. But as of right now, again, we're in the upper end of that range. And today we had good data. Purchase apps are up. Uh, industrial production was positive. Uh, uh, we uh, Retail sales were positive. Christmas sales were positive. So we, we go with that. If this data line gets weaker, that's a different story. But as of right now, everything kind of looks kind of looks right to me. Again, everyone has their different view of mortgage rates, inflation, all that stuff. Mine's, I just stick to my channel year round. And if something breaks above or below, we want to find out why. Last year, the economy was outperforming 5% GDP. Fed went hawkish, shot 10-year-olds up. Fed realized they made a mistake. Things started to come back down. The growth rate of inflation was falling while rates were going up. So I, hopefully I'm, I'm assuming that they have realized their mistakes and are trying to correct it, but they are slow. They are very, very slow on this. So it's going to be excruciating painful for some people that are anticipating, hopefully, rates to go lower faster. Boy, I know. I know most people in our industry would welcome those lower rates faster, right, to, as we head into spring, because this is this is when we should see that. And you made that point um, in one of your articles recently was like, spring is where we should see the growth. And it's been so unusual in the last couple of years. Everything's been unusual. But that that part, especially we had more sales in like January than we did in March, like crazy stuff like that. 
here's 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 one thing purchase application data is very seasonal if we take COVID 19 it's ruined everything but we'd always see an increase in volume so we want to tag the month the week-to-week data and then after may total volume is always fun it's been a very steady season and then COVID came and all hell just broke loose but as of right now just think of it as a very low bounce from a very depressed level i mean no doubt was number one back then when this data line was in 1995. So we're, we're dealing with this kind of bounce to get real growth. It was like COVID-19. COVID-19, we had no problems. We were like, here we go. It was a very sharp, heavy volume rebound, uh, even to the point where in the summer, I was like, hey, listen, existing home sales are going to be positive in 2020. I was like, no, there's no way. I said, yes, the forward-looking data is up like 33% year. We're good. We're good. And remember, purchase apps look out 30 to 90 days. So it's not going to get all captured in the December report. And then we're just going to go into the spring. So we'll see. But it's very meticulous tracking weekly data, live data with housing when you have these little, you know, these data lines that can move the 10-year yield. But as of right now, again, purchase apps are up, very low levels of sales. Think of it as the low bar bounce. The next stage of that discussion gets more complicated, but we're not there yet. We just, we'll just take what this uh, early data line says and just go with it each week. Okay, well, speaking of weekly tracking, let's talk about the tracker and what we saw with inventory this last week, right? So yeah, I don't want to curse this because I'm a very pro-supply person and I'm not a mortgage rate lockdown. Mortgage rates are still high, but we're seeing... Uh, uh, new listings data grow. This is something I talked about on CNBC last year. It's just because when mortgage rates were heading toward 8%, we didn't see the leg lower like we did in July of 2022. So that that looks like to me, we're bottomed. And again, when you have 4 million home sales base every single year, you could get new listings data to grow. Now it's not growing anything big, but uh, uh, new listings were positive. Active inventory grew, which I'm hoping we can just grow from here. Um, uh, last year, the same thing happened to me last year. I saw the, 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 the same week we saw inventory grow and I'm like, come on, come on. Uh, and then we get more supply, get more supply choices. Most sellers are buyers to get back to a functioning housing market. Uh, we need more active inventory and, and th- that's a positive, but, uh, too early for me to jump for joy, but that was, that was a good, in my good thing in my view. Now the price cut percentages again are still heading toward below um, 2023 lows. So the pricing is firmed up like it does every single, every single year at this point, inventory grows, price cut percentage falls. But here, uh, really we'll see how the rates really move this now because 2022 was such an anomaly that we saw the price cuts percentages really escalate higher that year, just because rates went from three to seven. We, we don't have that marketplace. Everyone kind of knows what they're getting into when they get into the, uh, market now. So it, it, I'm hopeful that we get the growth in inventory and then we can get something more of a function because they have more choices, better for everyone. And again, you have to remember that a lot of people, when they list their homes and they want to move, they look at the homes that are out there. Oh, and you got a lot of like homes built in the 40s, 50s, 60s that might not be to your liking. And this is why the builders, the builders confidence picked up again. They're like, Hey, listen, we got, we got something new here. We got sub 6% mortgage rates. Come on down. So advantage, disadvantage, advantage to the builders, disadvantage for the uh, existing home sales market. But supply is a good thing. It's the best way to deal with inflation. So I'm hoping that 
this continues out and we get a normal spring inventory year where we see inventory grow uh, January and February, not wait till March and April. So um, yesterday I had Tim Quirk on. He's with a, a company called Final Offer and they're all about... Um, you know, putting out what the seller will actually take. And uh, we talked all about transparency, but one of the things that we talked about was, you know, we've had a couple of years of really competitive home buying where you had multiple offers on every house. Do you see that being the same thing? Is that the kind of spring that you think we're looking at? In, in some parts of the U.S., yes. You know, it's funny. There, there, was a, <laughs> there was a video somebody sent me and said, well, you know, the like January to February, we're going to look at the home buyers here and think of them like the beginning of, of COVID. I'm like, what? No, no, it doesn't work that way. Okay. So reality check. You don't have to fluff this rates go down. Buyers will pick up, but active inventory was lower back then. Mortgage rates were 3%, not 7%. Home prices were lower. We can't have that same marketplace. That's over with right? So affordability is an issue. What I've always tried to stress in the last few years is that this is different than record-breaking demand. We never had record-breaking. The record-breaking demand market was the 2002 to 2005 because that was a massive credit sales boom. Here, we just have <laughs> too many people chasing too few homes. So in that context, it seems like, wow, it's really hot housing market. Well, it's just because active inventory is still low. Uh, and this always is the case because the seasonal bottom usually happens around now, right? So anybody looking for homes, everyone's right now getting for the spring. You're looking at more people buying less product. Now, as the spring season goes on, active inventory rises. This is why I'm a very pro supply person, but I would not equate anything to a hot housing market because of demand. I always uh, consider that if you think pricing is firm or rising, that's because active inventory is low. I, this is why when I do these purchase application data charts, you know, on, on, on Twitter or something, I draw that black line from 2002 to 2005. Say, this, this was some crazy stuff. That was a massive credit sales boom. Look at here. Look how low we are. There's no sales or credit boom going. It's just we have 100, over 157 million people working. We're a country of 335 million. We have roughly 500,000 single family homes to buy in America today. So. Too many people chasing too few homes. That's what it should have always been. We did not have this issue in the previous decade. Our demographics weren't good for housing sales to really be booming. And we had a lot more inventory back then. Here, it's just not the case. Uh, so if you see these headlines, multiple bids or anything like that, just kind of realize we're in the lull period of inventory. It's going to start to rise. Uh, that's why rising is a good thing. Alleviate some of the multiple bids. People get choices. Uh, I, I am, I hate, I hated the housing market in 2021 and 2020. That's what the whole savagely unhealthy housing market was this. We just had too many people chasing too. We, we had to break this curse. Uh, but now it's a little bit different. We don't, we don't have 75% of the marketplace having multiple bids. We're, we're, we're still, we're so much lower than that. But in parts of the U.S., you can see what's happening. Very low listings. Okay. We got 10 new buyers coming into the marketplace instead of two. You're going to get multiple bids in that context. And that has uh, kept pricing firm. And hopefully uh, the last three years have explained this in this regard, why it's, it's much different than the credit housing boom of 2002 to 2005.
So it is different than that. So from your perspective, because when you always say, you know, we never had this, this boom or whatever. So it wasn't a credit boom, but, but you did have a lot of people wanting to buy, right. And because rates were so low, you know, it incentivized them. So in your perspective, when you say that, are you saying that it's, it's not people, people are just buying their, their own home. You don't have people buying spec homes or like, you know, seconding second homes or buying five homes or like, because to me, there was this boom for COVID after COVID. I, I don't agree with that. And I'm, I'm going to tell, okay. tell you why. I'm going to tell you why on this. When I think of a boom, purchase application data got to 300, the Mortgage Bank Association. That looked pretty normal to me. Home sales weren't like really taking off like they were from 2002 to 2005. We just had more growth in sales. That demand, that purchase application was only, was only positive for 18 months. Right. As whenever, whenever rates rise, demand falls. So we had a burst in prices because inventory was low. So here we are. I can argue we have the lowest sales ever recorded in history today. Is that a boom in demand? No, technically it wouldn't be. You can't have the lowest active existing home sales levels and think that's a boom. But you also have to acknowledge that we've always had 4 million home buyers each year. And I think all the confusion is that. I think that I, I think what I saw from YouTube, TikTok, stock traders, the inexperience of not knowing that in this country we've always had 4 million home buyers each year, each month. It's really rare to go under that. So in this environment with the last existing home sales print is like 3.82 million on the monthly sales. That's really near record lows. Uh, uh, post in the 21st century. So that's not a booming demand. It's just this group gets a little bit bigger as rates fall. So people go, well, why are people so happy? Well, imagine if you're that 4 million home buyer, you saw rates go from eight to six and a half percent. You are happy, right? But you are always going to be buying a, buying a home. My argument is then you really need, just looking at all the data, you need mortgage rates to trend between 4.75 to 5.87% for 12 to 18 months to bring the pool of buyers up, right? So we're still here. We're still at 4 million. We're starting the year. The, thir the third calendar year is the lowest levels of sales in history, you know? So I just, I cannot consciously say that's a boom. With sales so low, I can tell you that if rates go lower, we're going to get more buyers in. But I just don't fundamentally believe that we could ever have the housing sales boom again, just because uh, the credit markets are normal and most sellers are buyers, right? And people are living in their homes longer. Back then, it wasn't the case. Anybody could list their homes and buy a home. That's why the data was so crazy back then. Not not the case anymore. So just think of it as we're basically hovering around the low levels of this century with a lot more people. Mortgage rates are high. If we got, if we, if the mortgage market was down to three percent, of course you're going to get, you're going to get more buyers. But I just fundamentally do not believe we can get a housing boom. Here's a good example: the new home sales market in 2005 was 1.4 million. The new home sales market the last few months were trending toward 500,000. Huge gap, right? Credit sales boom, not so much here. We had growth in new home sales last year. From a very low level, back to 1996 levels, that's where we are. So uh, it, it's a complicated discussion in that, but I just see this as pricing is more of a function of a lack of supply than than like sales demand or booming. Because if you had really good demand, the purchase application data would take off like it did in COVID. 
right? But even at COVID, we were nowhere near what we saw in the levels of 2002 to 2005. That was three, four years of credit booms. This is not the case this time around. No, I appreciate you going into that. That that helps me because I mean, we all know we had a refi boom, right? So, but that's just transactions. That's not necess- That's not sales. That's you know, I own my home. I'm I'm refining it. Um, so we saw that, but but I do get your point. And if you think about that baseline, that the four million is just the baseline. That's always going. That's that's what we could that's assume always, every year. Yeah, that's that's what, that's why I, when I do these existing home sale charts and I draw these black lines again, and I always say, just look at this four million. Does not matter. We've always been able to hold the bay here, even in 2008, uh, even in the first parts of COVID, even even just recently back in November. I mean, that was the whole November 9th, 2022 thing. Like, guys, sales, like purchase apps are collapsing so bad. We're going to get to that 4 million. And why is that 4 million period? We don't traditionally really go lower here. We had that bounce. So um, if there's booming demand, mortgage volumes would really accelerate because those people are just like, okay, I, I want to buy a home. They would start applying. So we're getting growth, but from the lowest levels ever still. So uh, small steps. That's how we've done it here for billions of years. Right. But let's just take the data with a, a bit of reality out here. Um, Housing is notoriously known for fluffing things on the internet to the upside or downside. But here's one of these things. We're just going to rise sales slowly. If rates go lower, we'll pick up more, but we cannot have the market of that. I just don't, I just don't fundamentally believe we could ever do that again. Just so the credit markets don't allow it. All right. Well, we won't, we won't be fluffers then. And I even saying that I'm like, Oh, that probably means something bad. I don't even know about <laughs> We won't fluff the market. How's that? Um, Logan, thanks so much for being on. Yes. Th- and thank you so much for allowing, allowing me to show the mortgage rate lockdown. Cause that was actually a very good discussion about two different takes. Uh, uh, and again, it was. Most, most sellers are buyers, right? So I just always think of it in that way. Uh, if there's a job loss recession, obviously people will sell for different reasons. But while the economy is still firm, right? Most people that list their homes are going to be like, okay, I could qualify at 7%. Uh, I can't qualify at 8%, uh, anything lower than it. Just think of it in that light. Uh, and of course, are there investors that have to, are there people that have to sell because they lost their jobs? Every month we people get fired, Okay. The delinquency rates are usually between one to 3% always, just because jobless claims never goes to zero. There's always people losing their jobs these months. So there's always a little equilibrium of stress in the all credit data. But, but you know, we just need active inventory to grow and we can get off of this very low level and people have choices. Choices are a good thing. Why? Because the best way to deal with inflation is always supply. Demand destruction is very short term. It's, it's not healthy, but supply is the best way. Well, we hope that the Fed is hearing that loud and clear. Logan, thanks for being on again, and I will talk to you again in a few days. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.